Welcome to this episode of Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast for Raw Charge. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman, and let's get started. I'm going to start off this week with a brand new segment called Unpopular Opinions About Current Sport Events. So a lot of people have opinions on what the league should do next with their season, mostly because we don't know what's going to happen. There has been a lot of different things tossed around. There's different bans on crowd gatherings that last to different times. No one is really sure what's going to happen or where the league is going to go with their games, where the American Hockey League is going to go with their games, where the National Hockey League is going to go with their games. Are they just going to skip to the playoffs? Are they not? Are they going to play the regular season? I've been hesitant to share my opinion on Twitter simply because responding to these threads or retweeting the question tends to draw a lot of fire from trolls and other people, and I tend to avoid those situations just because social media is not worth it. It's not worth my stress levels. However, amongst my listeners here, I kind of feel like it's a little bit more of a safe space, and although I always invite you to tell me what your opinions are and to tweet back at me or ask me questions through either Raw Charge or Twitter or whatever, you know, I I feel a little bit more secure sharing my opinions here than I do anywhere else. So honestly, and this is why I'm kind of calling this segment unpopular, I think that both leagues should just cancel the rest of this season and the playoffs. Here's the thing, and, and it's interesting because this whole situation actually has been really beneficial to me as a sports fan. For those of you who kind of know me personally, and who have been listening to the podcast since the very beginning. You will be aware that, and we're actually coming up on the year anniversary of all of this this week, April 2nd, my dad died a year ago. It was sudden. It was not expected. And, you know, as far as we knew, he wasn't having any health problems. But he had a heart attack, and he did not survive it. Since that happened last April... My life has changed. I've taken on some, you know, kind of bigger projects, not only because of his death, when someone dies suddenly like that, in case you have experienced it, you would know, they tend to leave a lot of loose ends, and a lot of loose those loose ends have been rather large in our case, and in the case of, of my mom and I, as we've been trying to figure all this out. So I've had a lot of responsibilities outside of this world here to be kind of keeping up with. Not only that, but I've also taken on a leadership position at my job with a school district down in the Finger Lakes. I'm what we call an innovation leader. And just really quick, basically, I work with other adults in the building to kind of enhance what we're already doing to find different ways to do it, to hear their ideas and pitch things to them and find ways to help them get it done, both with technology and without technology. So it's been a really busy year for me for a lot of different reasons. And because of that, I have had to step back from some of the things that I was doing to promote the team and work through. I am no longer an associate editor with Raw Charge. I stepped down from that position this past November, mostly because I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. I do still edit Tracy and Justin, who cover the 
ECHL aspect of things and the crunch respectively. But that's mostly just because I don't want to lose my connection to that group and also because I enjoy reading about both of the teams on both levels and it's more of just a way too that I can kind of help out with something I've always done. But I am no longer receiving a paycheck from them and technically I have just been relegated to ante. The offer is absolutely there from my editor Alan just because he's a great person to come back and write if I ever want to, but I have to admit I haven't missed it. For those of you who know me, this is probably the God, it's got to be at least the fourth time that I have retired, quote unquote, from blogging over the past 12 years or so. But I honestly think that this will probably do it. My life has gotten more fulfilling outside of hockey. There was a long period of time for me where writing about the team, trying to do what I can to promote them, without actually working for them, trying to maintain friendships and, and push through and do the social media stuff. And there was a long time where the fulfillment in my life mainly came from all of those things that I did, which is why I was so dedicated to it, and which is why I was so intent on doing it and why I allowed it to take up such a big portion of my life because I got a lot of fulfillment out of it. In fact, like I said, I would say that it's the, for a long period of time, it was the most fulfilling part of my life. But now that I have found a place with a school district, I have found an administrator that believes in my abilities and has given me more responsibilities. Um, I'm going to be up for tenure in a month and a half, something that five or six years ago, I never thought I'd be able to say. So I have found a little bit more fulfillment outside of the hockey world. And as my responsibilities outside of the hockey world has increased, as my energy levels have decreased, um, you know, it's been kind of a weird transitional period for me. And the reason why I'm babbling at you about all of this is to kind of bring it back to my original point. This period of sudden cancellation of hockey has really shown me that I still very much love this team and I still very much care about this sport. And being suddenly without it has been hard. I miss the stress release aspect of going to the games and I miss the social aspect of hanging out at the games and seeing everybody and what the things that the Syracuse Crunch have been doing to help mitigate some of this and some of the, the, the social distancing things that we have still been doing with the online gatherings and the games and the questions and the trivia, that all has been wonderful. And I'm not wishing to knock that at all because the, the work that they have put in to help bring some of that community back has been amazing and it's been so much fun, but I still miss it. And suddenly having the season postponed like this has sort of really helped me to realize that, yes, I still very much care about this league. Yes, I still very much want to continue to be a fan of this team. Because, you know, when you have big things happen in your life, you kind of take stock and you kind of reassess. And that's sort of why blogging went by the wayside. I still keep up with this podcast because I enjoy it. It's fun. It's a way for me to stay involved, but without having to do a huge 
couple hours long blog entry, which is pretty much how my blog entries used to go back when I used to write them. So I've said all of that. I have said that I still love this league. I have said that I still love this team. So why would I want to waste their chance at the playoffs? Here's a couple of the concerns that I have about suddenly restarting the season. First of all, the expense that teams are going to go through to try to put any kind of a regular season or playoff on, I am not sure is going to be worth it versus the attendance that we're going to get at these games as a league and as a team. So as of right now, as I discussed last week, the crunch is out of the playoffs. If the league decides to come back and only play the playoffs based on where the standings were when the season was postponed, the crunch's season is done anyways. It could be a moot point at this point, but if the league comes back and decides to play the rest of the regular season somehow, if the border reopens and if all of the buildings can get ice back in and don't have major conflicts, and if the million things come together that need to come together in order for this league to get teams back on the ice and play out the rest of the regular season, I'm afraid that the attendance is not going to be there. Attendance for hockey games is always harder as the spring wears on. There's more things that take up your attention. The weather is nicer. People don't want to be inside at a hockey game. You really have to get pretty deep into the playoffs in most AHL cities. And honestly, I think Syracuse is kind of included in this in order for there to be any kind of a real audience bounce back in terms of numbers. Not only that, but if we have to postpone the regular season until, say, June, and then we start playoffs in July and finish them in August, there's a lot of other stuff going on in families' lives that are going to compete with these games. There's all kinds of summer activities. There's vacations. There's baseball. There's Little League. There's softball. There's a lot going on in the lives of families as the weather gets better that is going to take up their attention. Nobody's going to want to go to a hockey game at 7 o'clock on a Friday night in the middle of July. and It's just not what people are really going to want to do. And not only that, but especially after all of this social distancing is finally over with, if we get to that point, which we will, I promise, um, people are going to want to get out. They're going to want to go to dinner. They're going to want to go out and do activities. They're going to want, I don't, and, and when I say that, I don't mean go and sit in a, at a hockey game for two and a half hours. I mean that they're going to want to do all the things that they've been missing out on that might not necessarily include live sporting events. So that's my first concern, is that the money it's going to take to get these guys back onto the ice to play games is not going to be worth what it's going to take. My other concern is is very simply, I'm worried about these guys' health. First of all, one of the popular things I see amongst those on Twitter who talk about this, is, well, let's finish the regular season with just the players playing games. And then no audience is just the players playing games. And then we can play the playoffs in July and August and the fans can come in and see. Why are you, Twitter person, making the decision to risk these players' health just so that we can finish the regular season? Because the whole thing of social distancing also includes group sports, including professional sports. I don't see if we can't get to a point as a society where this curve has been flattened enough, as they say, so that we can start having group gatherings again 
you, you can't have all of these guys in such close contact to each other as hockey requires playing and practicing together. You can't have it. If we're not to that point yet as a society where we can start having group gatherings again, you also cannot have these professional athletes. I don't care that they're at the top of their health or not. First of all, you don't know that. Second of all, that's not okay to ask that of them, to put them in that kind of a situation if we are not there yet as a continent, as a world. It's not okay to risk their health just so you can get a season out of all of this. I don't like that idea just simply because if these guys can't play in front of audiences, if we're not to that point yet, they're still risking their health. There's clearly still some kind of a concern out there about this curve not going down enough and this disease still spreading. So first of all, that's not okay to ask them to sacrifice and to risk spreading this even more between teams and then to their families. No, that's not okay. My second concern in this area is just simply one about injuries. I fully believe that all of these guys are working out in some way, shape, or form on their own under the guidance of their teams and the coaching staff and the trainers on their teams. I firmly believe that they're not just sitting on their couch eating Cheetos 24-7 like a lot of us are now because we can't go to the gym and we can't do much of anything else. However, I do not believe that they are going to be able to jump back on the ice, take, what did I see the other day, 10 to 14 days of a training camp, quote unquote, get themselves back into game shape, and then be able to grind it out through the rest of the regular season and or through the playoffs. We're going to see injuries, and we're going to see a lot of them. Yes, on one hand, this rest has probably been really good for players who have been battling through injuries or whose bodies just weren't feeling the way that they should have been feeling. I'll totally admit that, that for those particular players, this rest probably came at a really opportune time, especially if we do have the opportunity to finish out the season or the playoffs. However, I would be really concerned about bodies being that out of playing shape and then going into the grind that playoffs require. I don't know, honestly. I mean, I am not any kind of physiology person. I don't know how you would equate the time off that these players have had to whether or not that makes up for only having two weeks and then jumping right back into hockey. I don't know. A lot of these guys are training on the ice pretty much through the entire offseason, which is not something they're able to do right now. So I'm not convinced at all that rushing them to get back to be able to finish a season or to get be able to squeeze the playoffs in is the best choice for the health of these guys. came at a sort of apropos time. My editor over at Raw Charge, whose name is Alan, he really likes manipulating numbers and kind of playing around with formulas for things that you might not necessarily think can be played around with in that way. So recently, just in the last couple of days, he used math 
to come up with the top 99 sports movies from Internet Movie Database, and he used a blended score based on popularity and quality. So he took those numbers from IMDb, and he came up with a list. And originally, on the list, I noticed that one of my favorite sports movies wasn't there. And this is a movie that I actually don't hear that many people talk about very often, and most people that I know of have never seen it or really even knew it existed. So today's prompt is talk about your favorite sports movie. And I think that my actual favorite sports movie is probably going to surprise a lot of you. I am sure that the majority of you that are listening to this are probably thinking that it's Miracle. And honestly, that one is my second favorite sports movie. I have made no secret about how much I love the movie. I love the story. So, okay, that's my second favorite movie when it comes to sports. Well, what's my first? So my first favorite movie is actually one that... After I complained about how it wasn't on his list, Alan kind of manipulated some numbers and made it appear on there, uh, on the thrilling place of 93rd place out of 99. But still, it's there, so I'm happy. And it is a movie from 2002 entitled The Rookie. What's surprising about this, I think, is that it's about a baseball player. And baseball is not a game I enjoy. Baseball, I find very boring. You know, much love to you if you are someone who likes baseball. My entire family, my extended family, loves baseball. They are all New York Yankees fans. They live and die by baseball. They, all of my female relatives, outside of like my mom, play softball. They've always played softball. My cousins tried their hardest to get me into softball when I was younger. It didn't exactly take... <laughs> for various reasons. But yet, even though I don't really like seeing baseball live, I honestly think that The Rookie is my absolute favorite sports movie of all time. And for those of you who don't know, The Rookie is the story of Jim Morris, who was a Major League Baseball player for a very brief period of time in the 1999-2000s area. Morris started out as a hotshot in high school, and he was drafted, but he ended up with a shoulder injury, and that kind of ended his hopes of ever being able to play baseball again. You know, you, you know this story. It's one told over and over again in sports. As Morris went through the rest of his life, he married, he had a family, he was a science teacher at his school, and while he was teaching, he also became the school's baseball coach. And so in order to try to get the kids motivated, he told them that if they won district and make the state playoffs, he would try out again for professional sports. It was a way to motivate the kids. As a teacher, I completely understand trying to do anything to get kids motivated and get them to want to perform and want to show up and want to do their best. So he made this promise. They ended up making the state playoffs it, it's a really neat story, I think not only because of Morris's tale, but also because of the way you see him relating to his kids at school and his family and the town that he lives in that he's kind of made his own. So Jim ends up trying out. Um, there's one nearby, ironically enough, for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. He goes, he doesn't tell his wife. And he ends up repeatedly throwing the baseball at 98 miles an hour, 
which is good enough to get him signed to a minor league deal. He starts out with the Class AA Orlando Rays, which are now apparently the Montgomery Biscuits. Oh, God, I will admit, I don't like baseball, but I really do enjoy minor league baseball team names. They're great. So anyways, he spent some time with the Rays, then he moves up to the AAA Durham Bulls. Through this time, you get to see life on the road with minor league sports teams. Gee, I wonder why I find this movie so appealing. They do all the bus trips. They stay in kind of crappy hotels. They are not staying at the Ritz. They're not flying places. They're living the minor league life. And they're living the minor league life of the late 90s, which is a little bit different than it is now in 2020. Although minor league baseball is still really struggling for respect right now, but that's a completely different podcast altogether. So he's playing with the AAA Durham Bulls. He kind of goes through this period where he loses his faith and he wants to give up. But his wife, who originally never even knew that he was trying out, encourages him to stick it out. In September, he is told that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays have called him up and that they're playing in Texas, which is where his high school is. It's where the town was that he was making his home. They're playing against the Rangers. And he lives that dream of pretty much any minor league sports player who gets called up, especially if you're playing around where your kind of hometown or your home base is. You get to get into the game. You live that that moment where you step out in front of people who knew you so well and who watched you struggle and watched you take the path that you needed to take that gets you there. And and it's just, it's it's a really good story. I honestly have no idea what the what liberties were taken as they created this. I, I really am not sure. Um, I have no real interest in, unlike Miracle, I have no real interest in actually researching that much about Jimmy Morris and trying to figure out where the, the errors are between uh, the rookies retelling versus the actual real life story. I'm not really sure. However, I really enjoy this movie. I like the underdog tale. I love seeing the interactions of him in the classroom with the students and him on the baseball field with his student athletes. I love watching as he goes through that minor league life and especially doing it at a different time in his life than most minor leaguers do it at. You know, he is not a 19-year-old. He is an adult, a fully grown adult with a family who is heading out on the road with a minor league baseball team for the first time in his life. You know, that he is not a spring chicken here. So it's, I still remember very clearly him walking into the locker room and one of the players goes, huh, so you're the old guy? And he's like, yeah, I'm the old guy. One of the other things that really makes me love this movie is the performance of Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid plays Jimmy Morris. I have always enjoyed Dennis Quaid. I think he's a great actor. My favorite is probably Frequency, but I will admit, considering it's about a firefighter, that movie is not really emotionally available to me right now for various reasons, but um, it's probably my favorite of his. But he is a fantastic actor. I have always liked his performances, and I think his performance in this movie is especially great. He plays it very honestly. He plays it very earnestly. 
he covers all aspects of Morris's life with equal finesse. He plays the teacher. He plays the family man. He plays the guy passionate about baseball. He plays all of those aspects very, very well. He portrays them very, very well. So I think it all really comes together. I also really like the supporting actors in this film. Rachel Griffiths is great. The kids are great. There's some really funny side characters that float in and out older members of the community that kind of jump in to help out and, and cheer Morris up and all this kind of stuff. It has a lot of really great elements to it. And I think that the story is told really, really well. And it's just a very good narrowed in view of the achievements of this one particular player. I think that's going to do it for this episode. I'd like to thank Eddie for the royalty-free track, Pure Adrenaline, our intro music, and Springtide for their track, We Are Heading Into the East, our segment music. As always, thanks so much for listening, and feel free to send me any questions, comment, or feedback, either at my Twitter, at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, or over on Raw Charge. See you next time.